The CDC has released new guidelines for reopening schools and businesses, but uh, it's kind of a little late. There's bugs and then there are fruits. TikTok has discovered your strawberry's deepest secret. And Mark Leon Goldberg, host of the Global Dispatches podcast, fills us in on what happened at this week's World Health Organization Assembly, including Trump's current feud with the WHO. The date, May 20th, 2020. The time, music lock. Hey there, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. So up top, I just want to say really quick how glad I am to re-welcome ClickHole into our lives. Oh my God, it's so good. Uh, They were down for a second, but uh, they were bought by Cards Against Humanity earlier this year and are now majority owned by the employees of ClickHole with financial support from Cards Against Humanity, which is uh, kind of amazing. Okay, but please tell me what one of your favorite headlines is. I know that you probably have a good one stored. (laughs) Oh my God. So the best one of all time, hands down, is the one I use all the time. And it's heartbreaking. The worst person you know just made a great point. (laughs) No. Okay, that is so painful. I hate when someone I hate knows something good and shares it with the rest of the world. (laughs) I know. You just like hesitate over that retweet button. Like, can I do this? Can I bring myself to share your right opinion, even though so many of them are wrong? No, I will. I'll send it to a group chat and I'll just go. (laughs) Yes, that is the play. (laughs) Okay, it's time for today's Corona update. Here are three things you need to know today. One, President Trump apparently wants to bring the world's top leaders together in person at Camp David next month. He tweeted out this morning, I am considering rescheduling the G7 on the same or similar date in Washington, D.C. at the legendary Camp David. The other members are also beginning their comeback, all caps. It will be great sign to all normalization. It would be something. All right. Uh, It will be interesting to see if the other world leaders would even want to come to the U.S., considering as of earlier today, at least 92,000 people here have died of COVID-19. Also, it's worth mentioning that Trump originally wanted to host this G7 meeting at his own resort in Doral, Florida. He made the announcement and quickly walked it back right as the impeachment proceedings against him were starting last fall. Okay, well, this sounds like yesterday with all like the camps that want to reopen so people can (laughs) hang out. I'm like, you can't he do it, He just wants Trump. to see his friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, don't do it, Donald. I am sure that none of them will accept. They'll all be like, I will see you on Zoom. Okay, number two. The CDC quietly published guidelines for schools and businesses to reopen during the pandemic, but it may be a bit too late for that. It was published on Sunday as an update to a 38-page set of checklists the body put out last week. As Politico reported, the update includes more detailed advice for mass transit that suggests encouraging social distancing by adding floor decals or colored tape to ensure people remain six feet apart. The 60-page document is still shorter than earlier leaked versions of the plans, which the White House previously rejected over concerns that the recommendations were overly prescriptive. Most states that have moved to lift their lockdowns have failed to even hit the guidelines the White House originally issued, like showing a 14-day decline in coronavirus cases or recording a significant ramp-up in testing. Okay, at this point, I will read anything 68 pages or longer. I just want I just want guidance so we can save lives. I agree. But at the same time, also like uh, who is going to abide by the colored lines on the floor in the New York subway (laughs) system? I don't really see that going well. Okay, fair point. And number three, nature may be healing, but not enough. The latest drops in CO2 emissions because of people staying home just aren't enough to fix climate change. 
The collective shutdowns around the world meant to halt the spread of the coronavirus have kept people from driving, flying, and it's led to one of the biggest drops in climate pollution on record. But as BuzzFeed News reports, that is just not enough. The dip we've seen so far matches up pretty closely with how much the world should be cutting emissions annually. But we're going to have to do all of that plus more to keep the globe from warming to the degree that scientists say is the point of no return, 1.5 degrees Celsius, by 2070. Otherwise, game over. I like these stats because I think one of my least favorite things when this pandemic started and everyone in Los Angeles specifically were noting the lack of pollution and the really blue skies and people were like, nature is healing. Maybe this pandemic had to happen. It's mother's nature's way of healing Mm. itself. And I'm like, no, these are two separate things that are now semi-related because of cause and effect. But I mean, we still have to you know, deal with this pandemic and also deal with climate change. Right. And as a plus, this just shows us that it was never going to be about, hey, just fly less and we're going to fix the world. No, it's uh, the corporations. It's the big, big polluters that are doing the thing that we need to think about. 100%. All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. This is where I bring you some of the most heck yes and most oh my god no stories from around the internet. Good news for all of our listeners who wanted the midsummer dress we talked about in a previous episode to go to a very good home. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science what out. Okay, so just a refresher, the production company A24 put the dress and a bunch of other items up for a bid in an auction to raise money for New York firefighters. And the May Queen dress was clearly the highlight of the show and was coveted deeply by A-listers. Ariana Grande wanted the dress. Halsey wanted the dress. I wanted the dress. But that doesn't mean anything because I have no money to buy the dress. In the end, the Academy bidded via its Academy Museum and won. They haven't said how much they paid, but A24's website said the dress went for $65,000. And we don't know who got the matching flower crown for $15,000, but honestly, I hope they also got it because I don't know what the point is if you don't have the whole set. Fair enough. I pour one out, though, for Ariana Grande. She really wanted that dress. Oh, I know. She wanted it. I just genuinely think she was deserving of it. She could pull it off. You know, like, yes, I'm like glad that like we could go to the Academy's museum and see the dress. But also I could just go to Ariana Grande's Instagram and see the dress that way, too. (laughs) I'm sure if she asks nicely, they'll loan it to her. (laughs) Yes, 100%. Okay, and the bad news for anyone who ever wanted to eat a strawberry again. I'm so sorry for what we're about to talk about. TikTok videos are showing just what lurks inside your berry's flesh. I'm also sorry that I just said the word flesh. So you take your strawberry fresh from the store and you put it inside a bowl of water with salt dissolved inside for like 25 minutes. And users reported that little bugs came crawling out of their delicious homes. Here's how BuzzFeed writer and TikTok user Krista Torres reacted when she tried it. I don't know if you can see it. It's moving. There it is. Oh my God. I'm going to barf. Oh, that's so gross. Those little wormy bugs are the larva of your basic ass fruit fly, which shoots its eggs into stuff that's getting ready to ripen. (laughs) Yeah, they won't make you sick and you've probably eaten a lot of them in your lifetime without knowing. So there's no need to panic. But also, Hayes, what the fuck? (laughs) I know. I'm I'm upset. Like, it's one of those things where, you know, intuitively that, yeah, I'm sure I've eaten a lot of bug eggs in my life. Like, it's just a fact of nature, fact of life. They digest fine. But also, fuck that. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I'm going to keep eating strawberries. Well, I'm going to take like a two week break because I did watch a bunch of the videos and it was it was nasty watching these like little larva worms like crawling out. And it's like, it's just something that I didn't need to see with my own eyes. Right. I, I got to say, though, I don't think it's worth it if you wanted to like just start washing all of your strawberries in salt water, because I saw that some of the users were like, well, yeah, they're fine when you rinse them off, but they do taste a little salty. And like, who wants that? Right, yeah, because they're just like sitting in a bowl of salt water. Checks out. Mm, delicious. All right, when we come back, we talk with Mark Leon Goldberg, the host of the Global Dispatches podcast, about everything that went down at this week's World Health Organization meeting. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free. Until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this. I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat. I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO, and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had like the most amazing time. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. The World Health Organization's annual assembly was held virtually for the first time. It just wrapped yesterday, but while the meeting was supposed to be focused on the coronavirus, a lot of energy went to China and the U.S. fighting, which is pretty much what you don't want in the middle of a pandemic. We're joined by Mark Leon Goldberg to fill us in on just what went down. He's the editor of the news site UN Dispatch and host of the Global Dispatches podcast. Hi, Mark. Hey, everyone. So let's start at the beginning for our listeners, since I feel like it's easy for some people to picture them as, I don't know, UN peacekeepers, but doctors. What exactly does the World Health Organization 
do. So the World Health Organization is an intergovernmental body that has a mandate to advise and support governments as they prepare to take on health challenges unique to their countries. You know, some countries, their burdens are different than others. You know, in some countries in sub-Saharan Africa, malaria is a big problem. In Mexico, diabetes is a big problem. Those countries can go to the World Health Organization and get some advice and help on what they need to do to to take care of the health issues that are a priority to their countries. They are also a platform for international cooperation to confront common health problems and common health emergencies, which I think brings us to their current role in helping to coordinate an international response to the COVID-19 outbreak. So this Monday, which was the first day of the meeting, President Trump threatened to permanently halt the U.S.'s funding to the WHO, which is currently on hold. Why is that a big deal and what was motivating that? So I think what was motivating that is pretty transparent. I mean, this is a blatant attempt by President Trump to shift blame from his own tragically incompetent handling of the coronavirus outbreak here in the United States. And you know, the evidence of just the transparent shifting of blame is so, it's just, it's just there. In the very first bullet point in the letter that he wrote to the World Health Organization, he made up a pretend Lancet Global Health article referencing the outbreak of of a virus before December 2019, the Lancet had to put out a, a statement saying, we never wrote such a thing. You know, we didn't write about this, you know, before you claim we did. You invented this, this bullet point in order to make your political point against the World Health Organization against China. So that sort of, I think, needs to frame any discussion about U.S. funding of the World Health Organization. Most of the way the U.S. funds the World Health Organization is by earmarking its money to specific programs. By far, the largest single chunk of U.S. funding to the World Health Organization goes to polio eradication. There have only been 54 cases of polio so far this year, whereas before the U.S. started funding polio eradication, there were 350,000 cases around the world. That's where the U.S. has decided to support in the past, and it's where the cuts from the U.S. will hurt the most. So bouncing off that last question, though, is there any truth in the complaint that's been circulating in the U.S. that the WHO was somehow either tricked by China or bribed by China or whatever the talking point is of the day into downplaying how bad the coronavirus outbreak was inside its borders. So this kind of goes back to your first question about like what the World Health Organization is and what it isn't. The WHO you know, does not have an intelligence capability. It's not it doesn't have, you know, secret doctors and laboratories. It is a member state-led organization and it relies on its membership to provide it with information that that it can then share to other members. And the first inclination that there was this disease that was circulating in China came to the World Health Organization from China on December 31st. And this idea that the World Health Organization was collaborating with China to downplay the severity of the crisis just doesn't comport with the facts, no matter what facts you know, Donald Trump seeks to make up when he's trying to shift blame from his own incompetence. 
With everything going on at this year's annual meeting, did the WHO actually manage to accomplish anything or was it all about the U.S. versus China fight? So interestingly, you know, the headlines were all about U.S. versus China, but there was a substantive outcome document that was agreed to by every country on Earth. Uh, Their outcome document, a resolution, um, was agreed to by consensus by all 194 members of the World Health Organization, including China, including the United States, despite what the United States said in its its opening statement. And that document essentially identifies and affirms that COVID-19 is a global threat and their global solutions to this global threat will be the only thing that can sort of get the world out of it. It affirms some key things like any vaccine should be considered a global good and that countries should help poorer countries of the world who are unable to deal with this on their own get the kind of equipment and um, training they need to take care of the issue within their borders. Basically, it calls for greater global cooperation to confront COVID-19. So yeah, despite that though, countries around the world seem to be doing kind of whatever they want still. So what should we be looking for from the WHO moving forward and coordinating how this all works? Just the announcement that, hey, good job, guys, pandemic over. So what the World Health Organization is doing now, and it's what they've been preparing for, is as the epicenter of COVID-19 shifts from Europe and the global north to the global south, specifically sub-Saharan Africa, the World Health Organization has, for the last several months actually, been trying to train up African nurses and doctors. You know, they'll post training sessions in various different African languages. Uh, and on top of that, are helping to coordinate the shipment of PPEs and ventilators and, you know, contact tracing equipment and everything you would need to do a, a robust response to COVID-19. Because the fear is uh, that if COVID-19 takes hold in a country with a very poor health system, with very inadequate health system, that it could be overrun. I mean, just yesterday on my podcast, I interviewed you know, the equivalent of the Anthony Fauci of Liberia. And you know, because of their Ebola experience, you know, they know how to do contact tracing, and they know that they need to do rapid diagnostic tests. And they have the theoretic ability to do these rapid diagnostic tests all around the country, but they lack one simple piece of equipment. If they had that piece of equipment, these reagent cartridges, they could get it done. But it's, it's the World Health Organization that's trying to facilitate the kind of supply chain issues that might undermine a country like Liberia from mounting the kind of robust response it needs to, because you know, even a small cluster of cases could totally overwhelm their health system. Right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for laying all this out for us. And uh, if listeners want to find the Global Dispatches podcast, where should they look? Well, they should look to the globaldispatchespodcast.com website. I keep it simple. <laughs> that's, that's great to learn. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Hayes. Thank you, Casey. It's time for the list, because if you know BuzzFeed at all, you know how much we love lists. And today we're looking at five TV doctors who we would trust during this pandemic. Uh, spoilers, that does not include Drs. Oz, Phil, or Drew. We're talking purely fictional doctors here who nobody would mistake for real medical experts. Number one, Dr. Perry Cox from Scrubs. I'm no Superman. Number two, Dr. Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy. Number three, Dr. Julian Bashir from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
Number four, Dr. Jack Shepard from Lost. And number five, the doctor from Doctor Who. Okay, I'm so excited. I want Dr. Yang to be my doctor so badly. I She's the only person I trust ever. Yes, she would scare me, but she would scare me into health. Oh, man. So, okay, remind me, though, which <laughs> one is Dr. Yang? It's been so long since I've watched Grey's Anatomy. Sandra Oh. oh of it's course. Sandra I wanted oh. to guess, but I didn't want to be wrong about it in case you were like, uh, actually, are you just think they all, do you think that all Asian doctors look the same? Hey, so I didn't want to hazard a guess. I think that's a great choice, though. I watched season one and she was even scary back then. So, yes, she would be Yeah, excellent. she's super, super intense. I think I would want to go with either the doctor or Julian Bashir as my person. H- horrible bedside manner from the both of them. I got to say really quickly, though, uh, when and if Grey's Anatomy production starts up again, their pandemic-based episodes are going to be wild. Oh, my God. It's going to be insane. But you know what? I need a break from plane crash episodes. So this will be a good <laughs> way to mix it up. Fair enough. All right, got a preferred practitioner that you'd want on call during Corona? Open up the voice memo app on your phone and give us your mythical medicine giver of choice. You can send an email to newsoclock at buzzfeed.com with that file or to just write down your addition to the list. You can also just DM us on Twitter. We're at newsoclock there too. Okay, we have time for one more thing and uh, it's kind of a bummer. I want to turn our attention to the fact that everything is falling apart, namely our dams. Oh, right. Yes. I saw there was a dam in Michigan that collapsed. Yeah, that was actually two dams near Midland, Michigan, which is an area a bunch of my friends from college came from. So when the Edenville Dam and the Sanford Dam broke yesterday, they released enough of the reservoir to potentially put downtown Midland under nine feet of water. Oh, my God. That's horrifying. Is everyone okay? I mean, so far, yes, but that's tentative. Uh, They're evacuating like tens of thousands of people from their homes during a pandemic. So that's not great. And uh, I hate to tell you this, but the dams everywhere, they're in bad shape. How bad? All right, Casey, I just slacked you a link. According to the American Society of Civil Engineers, Michigan's dams got a D on their 2018 infrastructure report card. Oh, good. And it looks like New York and California both got a C minus. I mean, that's passing, right? Barely. That is not a grade that you want to come home with. You come home with that and your parents will like ground you I'm for life. I'm trying to be optimistic, Hayes. Optimistic. And I know. I know. I just, part of the reason why this is so like, oh, aside from the fact that it's Michigan is so my first gig out of college as like a grown up was working as a contractor with DHS about like critical infrastructure stuff. Oh. It sounds way fancier than it is. But one of the portfolios that I dealt with was the dam sector. And they have been screaming about how horrifying everything is for years. So uh, hopefully more people listen. That would be great if more people listen. Great. To so now I'm afraid of dams and elevators keeping up their infrastructure. <laughs> Yep, I am really sorry to give you another thing to panic worry about during these unprecedented times, Casey. I really am. All right, if you're listening at home and want to check out your own state score, you can go to the ASCE's website at infrastructurereportcard.org. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we talk to BuzzFeed News and Helen Peterson, who wrote about how the pandemic is changing the way we even want to spend money. And remember... There's more that you can learn from watching Doctor Who than from watching Dr. Phil. Just, just really want to hammer that point home. 
Dr. Phil is bad. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and review. Also, tell your friends about the show. Then set your alarm so you never miss another episode of News O'Clock. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog, cat, giraffe, giraffe, really? Giraffe, uh, giraffe. You're not gonna get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Open to all teams and players, the NFL's Inspire Change Initiative acknowledges the ways that systemic racism contributes to barriers to opportunity and equality and focuses on ongoing efforts on creating progress in the areas of education, economic advancement, community and police relations, and criminal justice reform. To learn more about the NFL's commitment to ensuring a more equal and just future, text NFLIC to 635-635. It takes all of us to advance social justice.